hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So the beginning of uh, 2020, we uh, kind of we changed the uh, governance of our, our church from uh, multiple boards that, that ran different things to a, a simplified board structure. And, and uh, I've been personally thankful for this board uh, just because uh, they made things very, very helpful and easy through the uh, pandemic. But one of the things that I remember during our, our first board meeting was that when we, we gathered together, there was a prayer that a pastor friend of mine introduced me to. It was a prayer written by a, a Trappist monk by the name of Thomas Merton. And I thought as we closed our uh, series called Reset, that this would be a good prayer for us to uh, start with uh, this morning. So I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may not know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and your will never leaves me to face my perils alone. Oh God, as we come to this last sermon in this series, open our hearts and minds to receive your word for us this morning and allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here to be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So as I said, we're concluding our series called Reset, and over the past six weeks, we have been looking at what it is that, that we are, are called to do as a church. And, and, and the short answer is that there, there are two things that we are called to do. Well, one first thing that, that we are called to do by Christ, and another that we set up as a church of how we will follow through with that, that call. And that call is the, the great uh, commission or, or, or the, the mission that, that Christ has given each and every one of us, of us to do that we find at the very end of, of the gospel 
of Matthew. So as we close our, our series out, I want one more time for us to, to repeat with me uh, the mission and the vision of our church. They're written on your bulletin, but we'll have them up on the screen. So if you join me, the mission of Roy City First United Methodist Church is making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. I tell you, I, I smile every time I say that because that is exciting. It, it, it's exciting work for us as followers of Jesus Christ to be doing, that, that our task is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I, I saw this meme online a while ago that I, I, I took a picture. And I meant to put it in the sermon slides, but I, but I didn't, but I have it here. But it, it, it talks about how we are, are, are a moving people, and we are, are not just to stay put or stay where we are. Matter of fact, it says it like this. It says that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to move from being just a recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. That's kind of deep, isn't it? That, that, that we are called not just to receive that, that okay, we're now disciples of Jesus Christ, okay, done, we can check that off the box, but no, we are now responsible for the mission. That means we are the ones who are making disciples. Here's a little secret for you. As your pastor, I cannot make disciples. The people in the church, you make disciples. I, I, I help train you. I, I help give you the tools that you need in order, order for that to happen. But, but you are the disciple-making agents in the church. And I love that. I, I love that because it gives the opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go, go so many far more places that, than I could ever go. Even though we have all this technology now, we're able to use this technology in great ways. The only way for disciples to be made is if disciples are making disciples. It, it, it's your task. It's your job to be responsible for the church's mission. And as a church, we have set up the vision of, of how we are to do this. And if you'll follow me, we'll share this uh, vision one last time. Our vision is to be gods. You belong here, worshiping together, serving with heart, growing in faith. Everything we do comes underneath the, this guide of, of, of what it is we do at Royce City First United Methodist Church. We share. We, we let people know that they belong here. We worship together. We serve. And we grow in faith. And, and the best way that we can do this is, is through something called the means of grace. And we've been sharing the means of grace throughout this entire series. The, the five instituted means of grace are ways that, that we see Jesus showing us how we can have access to the God who loves us and, and cares for us. Those, those means of grace are, are prayer, 
searching scripture, uh, Holy Communion, which we'll be participating in again today, fasting. I hope some of you took the opportunity to fast last week, or there may be some of you who are so brave that you are fasting right now, waiting until we have communion before when you break that fast. And then the means of grace for today, which is Christian conferencing. Now, that means of grace isn't saying that you need to go out and go to a, a, a Christian meeting or a, a Christian convention or, or anything like that. No, it, it talks about gathering as the people of God. Our scripture gives us a, a picture of, of what that means as our scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles where we'll have the words printed on the screen for you to follow along. Hear the word of the Lord. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I can't think of a better uh, Christian conferencing passage than, than this one right here. It's because I think we're in the middle of a different type of, of, of epidemic. And I'm not talking about the, the pandemic that we've just been dealing with, but, but there's something else that I think that is happening, and I think the pandemic has helped quicken this a little bit that really does something or, or really affects how we do church together or how we gather as the people of Jesus Christ. This past January, uh, June the 29th, there was an article that was released from the Survey Center on American Life, and it, 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 it hit all over uh, the news cycles and everything. You may have seen it, but it was a study that was released on the nature of American friendships from 1990 until 2021. And in this study, it, it looked at and showed how people have grown or, or not grown in their relationships with other persons. And, and let me tell you, it, it's kind of stark. I have a, a chart here that uh, explains a little bit of, of, of what it looks like. And uh, Jared, do you have that chart there we go. Yeah, that chart there, it shows that there has been a decline of close personal friendships, more in men than women. But, but if we look at men, it has, uh, there's been a steeper decline of, of about uh, 30 years ago in 1990. A majority of men at 55% reported having at least six close friends. Today, that number has been cut in half, slightly more than one in four, 27%, may have six or more close friends today. 15% of men have no close friendships at all, a five-fold increase since 1990. If you look at that very, very first number of the top graph, the first number is three, and that one shows no close friends to 15 
in 2021. While if you go all the way to the other end, to 10 or more, back in 1990, men said that they had about 40 close personal friends, a friendship that you could share something personal with, and that has dropped all the way to 15. Now, you can see the same type of decline has happened with women, too. In 1990, roughly 4 in 10, 41% of women, said that they had six or more close friends, compared to 24% today. 10% of women reporting have had no close friends. And that's sad. That's sad for me as a pastor because when I look at this graph, whenever I see what it represents, it shows me that we are missing out on one of the greatest gifts that God could ever give us, and that's each other. And I think we could, we could try to, to guess or, or, or think about what are the reasons why we have seen such a decline of, of, of friendships with other people. You know, part of it is politics. Part of it is, is work. Part of it is it just the pandemic, you know, not being able to get out and getting around other people and expecting to get filled with friendships by what's on your little screen that you have in front of you. All of those type of things helps me see that this last means of grace, Christian conferencing, is probably so much more important that we give it any type of, of relevance in our lives. Getting together with other people, other believers of Jesus Christ, helps build us up. It helps, gives us the ability to grow and to serve. It helps us to see that we are connected, not just because we're humans, but we are connected because of who Jesus Christ is. Now, it's a whole lot more than just gathering to, to be a part. You know, people can come to church and, and feel absolutely, totally unconnected. I know that happens. That's why we, we talk about the importance of stuff like the 510 link rule. The five minutes before worship and five minutes after worship, you're, you're fellowshipping with one another and, and you're trying to find ways to connect one another so you can receive the goodness and the greatness of, of God's love and care. Elaine Heath wrote in her book about the five uh, means of grace that, that what a Christian conferencing is all about, it is to become a group assembled for the express purpose of living, listening to follow, and participating in the way of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. It's about helping others to, to live, to listen, to follow, participate in the way of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we, we do that for one particular reason and one reason alone. And our writer of Hebrews gives us what that's all about. At the very beginning of our passage, the writer of Hebrews says that we are holding on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he, for he who promised is faithful. We, we gather together in Christian conferencing or in Christian community because Jesus is faithful to each and every one of us. 
Jesus is faithful to those who, who desire to continue to grow, who desire to continue to be a part of, of the great work that he is doing in and around us. I don't know about you, but the times that I feel the most disconnected is whenever I'm thinking about just myself, how I can take care of my own needs, how I can make sure that I am happy, how I can make sure I get exactly what I want. And whenever I shut everyone else out around me, then I am not holding on to the hope of the one whose promise is faithful. I'm holding on to the one whose hope is, is buried inside of my chest who refuse to allow others to, to know who I am and see the joy and the love and the grace that I have to offer. One of my former senior pastors would always start her worship services out this way. She would, she would greet the congregation and she said, you know, I'm so glad you're here because I know that even if you have been around for a long time or this is your first Sunday here, God has you here for a reason. And the reason that God has you here is because you have a gift that you can share with others. You have a gift that can allow others to connect with the love and grace of Jesus Christ and make that a reality in their life as well. It's not, it's not a coercing thing. It's not something that you're forcing someone to do, but it's letting the joy of Christ bubble out of you so others may experience that joy as well. Our vision shows us that we have three separate ways that, that we continue to be a part of this Christian conferencing. The first one's easy. The first one's worship. I tell you, the past, the past couple of months has brought me so much joy over the past 15 months just seeing people showing back up in the sanctuary. I see people uh, even today that I hadn't seen in quite some time, and I love it. I love seeing their faces here in worship. I, I love hearing the sing, singing. I love hearing the, the responsive prayers. I, I, I love being to, to have the opportunity here in a little bit to have you come down and receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that, that brings my heart joy because it helps me see that we are in a way connecting in ways that we haven't had, haven't been able to do that in a while. When we worship, we we are living out that that confession that that our hope is in something else besides us. Thank goodness, I am so glad that my hope is not built on me, but that my hope is built on the love and grace of Jesus Christ. We also find ways to, to uh, connect in Christian conferencing by serving. And my friends, this is something we do as a church so, so well. I, I'm excited about all of the kids that are coming to be a part of Vacation Bible School here in a couple of weeks. I, I, you know, I, Andrew was joking about 1,000, but I've told Wanda that we're going to have over 100 kids at Vacation Bible School. I just know we are. And it's going to be awesome because when we started to talk about planning Vacation Bible School, we were wondering if there'd be even 20 that will show up. 
But, but, but God has, has provided a way for us to, to open up and be able to serve the children in our community, which will do a whole lot more than just serving children. It'll serve parents. It'll serve grandparents. It'll serve those who are outside of these walls to know that there is a God who loves and cares for them and wants them to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. But there are so many other ways that, that we can serve. Some of the, the most fruitful ministries or, or the ways that people are connected is when they serve. When we uh, go to our Daily Bread food pantry, uh, the, that meeting monthly, uh, and we're, we're gathered around talking about and laughing and, and having a great time, I know that those people in that room are taking care of one another. And, and they, they watch after one another. Those that show up on Thursday nights to help serve at our Daily Bread Food Pantry or, or Saturday morning, there, there, there is a connection there. And when someone is gone, they are missed. I talked about our, our next step launcher that's on our, our website, that little little footprint thing that's on the bottom right-hand corner. There, there is a tab there for serving with heart, and, and there are different ways that you can serve in the life of the church. There, there are so many different ways to get connected. If, uh, the AV ministry that we have going on, uh, welcoming and greeting around the sanctuary, helping with uh, taking care of the pews and, and making sure things are cleaned up. Those are ways that you can serve that you'll get connected with a small group of people to help grow in your faith. And we'll hopefully be able to start doing some more mission-type work, uh, going out into the community and doing stuff as we move forward into this year. But every single opportunity that we can gather with other sisters and brothers in Christ is a way that we continue to grow in Christian conferencing. Another way that we do that is, is by, by growth. And there are two ways that we do that, two ways that we grow in our faith. The first one is the informational, uh, informational classes that we have, like uh, the uh, Epic of Eden classes or Disciple Bible Study or uh, any other type of small group that meets to help gather and, and grow. But, but the, the group that I am most interested in is something that, that I think has been missing in the life of the church. And those are these small groups that, that work to, to build relationships with one another. Uh, uh, two of that I can think of right off of the top of my head. One is the, the men's ministry that we have. They actually met yesterday and, and had a great discussion. And, and Dean Gilkinson, who kind of leads that ministry, he, he always apologized to me and said, Pastor Chris, I'm sorry, we, we don't really get really deep theologically in, in our discussions. But I know that those guys that meet have each other's backs. And I know that if there is something that they need, they will be right there for them. Last year at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a group of women that, that gathered uh, that called themselves the um, Soul Sisters. And, and they started to do a, a, a lesson and everything. And, and they, they did like a couple of weeks and everything. And I was talking with Liz on last Tuesday night. And we had a quick meeting about an upcoming worship service. And then she was off to have uh, lunch or supper with, with the ladies. And, and, and I love that because it helps me see that, that the women just aren't, aren't, and the men aren't just connecting that way they can 
learn something more about Jesus, which we need to do. Discipleship is extremely important. But if we are not building these relationships with one another, then we miss the point. That's why we, we spend an extended amount of time during our staff meeting to, to check and see how everyone is doing because we want to minister to one another and show that we care and support one another because one of the greatest disadvantage of the Christian life is that some people feel like they have to do things on their own. You saw it in the, in the, in the survey that, that I shared with you, how fewer and fewer friendships are growing and there's less and less connectivity that is happening. And I can tell you as, as your pastor, I, I'm one of the most endangered person to do that because I am more of an introvert than an extrovert. And I'll tell you, I would much rather at times just shut my office door and turn off the lights and hide from people than try to be out there and, and talking with people that are in the office. Or I would much rather find a way to, to work from home so I can just do everything that I want to do and, and just disconnect, unplug. But I know that the more life-giving opportunities I have to be in a relationship with other people, the more I feel closer to who God is. It's what John Wesley would call the dangers of holy solitaries. That there's no such thing as a holy solitary. There's no such thing as a person who is holy all by themselves. But there is a, a social holiness. Now, I'm not talking about being a, a social justice warrior or anything like that, but, but being a social holiness, it's that we are gathered together as God's people to grow in faith. And, and the biggest way that John Wesley would do that was something called a band meeting. See, John Wesley wasn't just a Methodist pastor. He was a pastor in the Church of England. And he saw, even back in the late 1700s, that the people in the Church of England were disconnected. They would just show up to church because that's what they did, and then they would go home and, and live their lives however they wanted to do that. So he organized his people into the band and class meetings. The, the class meetings are like our small groups, like our Genesis class, our Mosaic class, our, our Faith Forward class, our uh, um, Grace Seekers class. So those are kind of like the class meetings that we have. But the band meetings are, are like the Soul Sisters or, or, or the men's group, smaller groups that would really help each other grow in their faith. And there were five typical questions that were being asked during these meetings. The very first one is, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? That's a very deep question because that gets deep inside to who you are. It's not that, that glib little how you doing question. When I was in college, I think I may have shared this a, a while ago. When I was in college, I, I would get frustrated because I would walk around the fraternity house that I lived in, and I would see the same brother over and over again. I would say, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Not knowing, knowing that I didn't really care what he was doing, that that was just a statement that you made. And so I, I tried really hard to, to go around the fraternity house without saying anything to anyone unless I saw them the very first time. And then after that, I wouldn't say anything. But I realized how shallow that was. 
But when we gather together and we ask, how is it with your soul? It gets to the question to really want to know how you are doing, what, what, what is going on inside of you. Asking, what are your struggles? What are your successes? What, what are the things that, that you are celebrating about? What are those things that are just weighing you down? And then another, the third question is, how might the Spirit and Scriptures be speaking in your life? If we are in the Word, searching the Scriptures and, and times in prayer, how is the Holy Spirit and God's Word speaking into your life right now? Th those three questions are enough. And I think those three questions should help uh, any group together really grow as a small group or, or grow together as a band. But there are even deeper questions when things get really even deeper or even more in-depth in their lives. And this next question is really the very first question that John Wesley wanted people to ask. And that question is, do you have any sin that you want to confess? I can tell. I can see some eyebrows already perking up on that one. Said, I'm not going to do that. Well, no. No, you're not going to do that if you are in a shallow relationship. I'm not just going to walk up to somebody I barely know and say, hey, guess what sin I'm dealing with right now? No. But when you have a, a, a relationship with, with, with a, a set group of people that you meet with over and over again, and you know that they have your best desire in their hearts, and they, you all want to desire a deeper relationship with Jesus, you will ask those questions and grow in that respect. And then the final question would be, are there any secrets or hidden things that you would like to share when you are able to share those, those secrets that you have in your life. Because honestly, folks, we all have them. We all have things that we don't want other people to see. But if you are able to share those things with others, it frees you. It frees you to a full and open life to the God who loves us and cares for it. It, it frees us so that we can then fully grow and know that we belong to God. That's one of the things why I love this table a and how we come to this table because it is a great way to open up with, with, uh, with Christian conferencing. It, it allows us the opportunity to, to gather and to see the love that God has for us because he poured out his life for us. He, he hung on a cross for us. He, he died for us so that we may have life and life abundantly. So, so when you come to the table this morning, when you come to receive the gift of bread and cup, think about how can you be involved with, with a group of people to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? How can you Get some people in your life to, to really know exactly how is it with their soul. And open up the freedom in your life to ask and to respond when people ask you, how is it with your soul? How can you allow the love and grace of Jesus Christ through this meal to pour out of you to be a, a channel of grace, 
a means of grace for others around us. Let us pray. Oh God, as we receive this meal, as we, we take this opportunity to receive the bread and receive the cup, use this means of grace to, to help us unlock the other means of grace in our lives, to, to connect with others in, in a way that, that we can share deeply the love and grace of Jesus Christ with one another. Use this, this means of grace as, as a way for us to, to know through Scripture, through, through the Spirit, that we are your children. And you desire nothing more but just to be in relationship with us. Use this holy meal so that we may have life, that life that comes from you and have it abundantly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.